ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೋಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾಷಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ನಮ ಶ್ರೀಶಂಕರಂದ ಗುರುಪಾದಾಂಬುಜನ್ಮನೆ ಗುರುಪಾದಾಂಬುಜನ್ಮನೆ ಸವಿಲಾಸ ಮಹಾಮೋಹ ಸವಿಲಾಸ ಮಹಾಮೋಹ ಗ್ರಾಹಗ್ರಾಸೈಕಕರ್ಮಣೆ ಗ್ರಾಹಗ್ರಾಸೈಕಕರ್ಮಣೆ here in the example of the clean the pot it is shown how the pot is mithya is unreal and the clay is satyam or it is real three reasons were given why a pot is said to be unreal or mithya ನಿಸ್ತತ್ವಂ ಸೋ ನಿಸ್ತತ್ವತ್ವಾತ್ ನಿಸ್ತತ್ವತ್ವಾತ್ ವಿನಾಶಿತ್ವಾತ್ ವಾಚಾರಂಭಣ ನಾಮತಃ ಥ್ರೀ ರೀಸನ್ಸ್ ದಟ್ ದರ್ ಇಸ್ ನಿಸ್ತತ್ವತ್ವಂ ನಂಬರ್ ಒನ್ ದ ಪಾಟ್ ವಾಟ್ ವಿ ಕಾಲ್ ಪಾಟ್ ಡಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಎನಿ ಸಬ್ಸ್ಟೆನ್ಶಾಲಿಟಿ ಡಸಂಟ್ ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಎನಿ ಎನಿ ಥೆಂಜಿಬಿಲಿಟಿ ಆರ್ ಸಬ್ಸ್ಟೆನ್ಶಾಲಿಟಿ ದಿಸ್ ನೋ ಸಬ್ಸ್ಟೆನ್ಸ್ ಆರ್ ಟ್ರೂಸ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಪಾಟ್ ಬಿಕಾಸ್ ದ ಸಬ್ಸ್ಟೆನ್ಸ್ ದಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಲಾಯಿಂಗ್ ಇನ್ ಫ್ರಂಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಅಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಕ್ಲೇ therefore what is part that form is called part and that form doesn't have any tangibility or substantiality vinashitva that form part also is destructible when it breaks there is no more part vacharam hanamatah and what is it actually what exactly is a part because what you see there is clay alone what you touch also is clay what you lift also is clay and whatever there is is clay alone so what is this part nothing more than a notion in our name thus a certain idea is superimposed upon the clay and that superimposition is named part therefore vacharam hanamatah this object part is no more than the name part which is the name that is produced by the speech that's all vagindriya janya shabda matratmakatva this word part is something that is uttered by the organ of speech and that is the reality that much is the reality of that object part as you said for the object called clay there is a substance there but what is the substance corresponding to the object part nothing the only substance is there is just a name part that's the only substance that is there the real substance is clay and therefore for three reasons we say that the part is unreal and why do you say that the clay is real jaktakale tatah purvam urdhumapi ekaruvhag see the clay is there at the time when the pot is tatah purvam the clay was even before the pot was created tatah urdhumapi and the and the clay is even when the pot is broken thus the clay is when the pot is the clay was even before the creation of pot and the clay remains even after the destruction of the pot 
Ekarubha. Clay persists with the same characteristic, with the same properties, with the same nature. Sadatvam. So then, also is Sadatvam. Therefore, second thing is, clay is the substantiality. Avinashamcha. And that, the clay is indestructible. So since it is there before, now and later, since clay is imperishable, and since clay is a real substance, therefore we say that the clay is real and the part is unreal. <coughs> this is extremely important, as we said, this is Vedanta, real and unreal, Satya and Mithya. And this is exactly, this is what Vedanta teaches us, as we said, this illustration of the clay and power is to be, to be stretched to or extended to Brahma and Jagat, where with reference to creation, then this whole creation is comparable to part, meaning name and form. And the what's the substance in the creation? Brahma, Asti, Bhati and Priyam. That is the substance. And the name and form with every substance is superimposition. And this is the teaching that Vedanta gives. That also means that everything is Brahma. Everything is clay, you can say. One way, on one hand you can say, the clay is real, part is unreal. You can also say, everything is clay alone. See, 500 parts, you can say, everything is clay alone. Because are you separating now the two things, namely Satya and Mithya, or real and unreal? Not really. Unreal doesn't have a real existence. What there is, is real alone. And therefore, what there is, is clay. And therefore the teaching also is there. Sarvam Khaluidam Brahma. Whatever that is, is Brahma alone. So that's the ultimate thing. In the beginning we say, we categorize as real and unreal. Ultimately we say that everything is Brahma alone. <coughs> now some other aspects of this understanding are explored. Then you say that what you call part is something that is superimposed upon the clay. Then, and the clay is real and the part is unreal, okay. Then, when we know that the part to be know the part to be unreal, then should not the part disappear from sight? Just as in the rope snake example, when the snake is known as unreal or mitya, the snake disappears from the sight. And so also in this part clay clay part illustration, when the part is known as mitya, shouldn't the part disappear from sight? How come it doesn't happen? Or, or you can put it this way. If you say that the part is unreal or mitya, then it will disappear like the, the snake disappears. Then we say, yes, it disappears. We say that, yes, the part disappears. In what way does the part disappear? Nivrutta eva yasmate tat satyatva matir gata. Te tat satyatva matihi gata. Inasmuch as now when you understand the nature of this part, that is unreal, this satyatva matihi, Meaning that notion of reality which obtained with reference to part is no more there. So now we realize, oh, all there is is clay alone. And therefore, part is something that is mithya or unreal. And therefore, in the wake of this understanding of knowledge, what gets dismissed or what gets dispelled is the notion of reality which, which one entertained with reference to part. Idrung nivrutti revatra bodhaja we say that the nivrutti or disappearance in this case is of the nature of knowledge. So disappearance is the disappearance of the notion of reality which is brought about by knowledge. 
natu abhasanam. It is not that the pot really disappears from the side. In fact, one would even say that, where is the pot, where does it appear in the first place? So you say that the pot will disappear from the side, if you know that the pot is unreal, so where does it appear in the first place? Where is pot? Well, here is pot. I see only clay. Where do you see pot? So Swami always gives his famous, he used to formally, always carry a chain with him and always give the example. Now he used to, he carries, I mean, this, uh, this, uh, the cup, you know, the, what do you call it? The, uh, the, uh, yeah, the styrofoam cup. That's what he has. Formally, he used to carry a chain, specially carry a chain. And then he would show it. It's all right. What is this? One says, this is chain. But someone from a village comes along who has never seen a chain and he says, well, this is gold. So no, this is chain. Yeah, but where is chain? This is chain. Why? What is on the top? Is it called chain? Well, that's gold. What is at the bottom? Is it chain? That also is gold. What is the side? Is it chain? Well, that also is gold. So where is chain? So for the one who has never seen the chain, or who doesn't have this concept of chain, he looks upon this object only as gold. And therefore, the one who superimposed the notion of chain, that alone, he, that person looks upon this object as chain, someone else looks upon as gold. And therefore, someone can say, where is the chain in the first place? That, so if somebody says, if you know the chain is mithya, it will disappear. Yes, it disappears because it is not there to begin with. And therefore, there is no chain. That also you can say. Or, if you say that a given form is chain, fine, we know that the form is just a projection and the substance there is gold alone. In that sense, the notion of reality given to the chain, that completely disappears. And that according to us is a disappearance and the chain or the form does not disappear in spite of knowing it as mitya. But how come? Why does it not disappear? How come the snake, the rope snake, the snake disappears altogether? And how come the pot does not disappear in spite of knowing its unreality? Then to say that there are two kinds of superimpositions. One is sopadika, other is nirupadika. One is with adjunct, other is without the adjunct. In the sense that what we call the mirage water, for example, is or a pot <coughs> is a superimposition which involves a certain factor. Other than the percept, other than the perceiver. Thus, the factor is that the clay was taken by the pot maker and was worked upon to create the pot, and therefore, that factor being there, the clay does not disappear in, in actual, it's, I mean, the pot does not disappear in, in, uh, by its, by its rupa, or by its rupa, or by its nature, just the reality disappears. In case of rope snake, however, no factor other than the perceptor was the perceiver was involved and therefore that no upadi or other factor was involved in creation of a snake and therefore the snake disappears completely. So there are two kinds of brahma or two kinds of delusions. One delusion where which is purely subjective in which the object of delusion completely disappears <coughs> when we come to know the truth of the substratum. In other case such as mirage water where factors other than the perceiver are also involved in that appearance. Like the rays of sun in case of mirage water, that appearance persists in spite of knowing the unreality of mirage water. <coughs> but in any case, what is important is not really the disappearance of the thing, 
what is important is dispelling of the notion of the reality. Because it is a notion of reality which is samsara and not the existence of the world. It is not that because the world is or because the body is or because the things are that there is samsara. <coughs> there is not samsara. Samsara is taking the body to be self or samsara is taking the world to be real or permanent. That is what the problem is. So problems are in the notion, those notions create all the problems. If those notions go, then there are no problems. <coughs> And then it was said in verse 47, in answer to the question, where do you find? Where do you find, for example, that the delusion or the Brahma, the delusion does not disappear from the side in spite of knowing it as delusion? Where did we, where did we see that? Say it as verse 47, that there is a man standing on the shore of a, a lake and there is a real man there but we see in water his reflection, which is the inverse reflection. Navastutaha asti, even though that that inverted man appears there, he is not there in reality. But everyone who sees the man standing there on the shore, he knows that to be real and the reflection to be unreal. So no one ever takes a reflection to be real. Whether it doesn't require great intelligence to know that that is not a real man. Even fool also will not take that reflection to be real. Because even a fool also has an opportunity, a stupid person also has an opportunity to see the reflection in the mirror. So at least that much knowledge everybody has that what appears in the mirror is unreal. All people may have seen the reflections in water also and therefore they know the reflection is unreal. So even a stupid person Meaning the person who doesn't have the benefit of learning of the scriptures, even that fellow also will not take the reflection as real. And thus, the reality of the reflection is not there, even though the reflection continues to appear, <coughs> continues to be perceived. Okay, now continuing the discussion, before the verse 48 it is said, Nanu aropitasya asatyatva jnanamatrat no purushada siddhihiti all right. But is that all that is to be done? I mean, you know, aropitasya asatyatva jnana matra. That what is superimposed is unreal. If you know that much, does it mean that you attain moksha? You mean that you attain moksha, the purushartha means the ultimate end in life you attain, simply by knowing that what is superimposed is unreal, that's all. You can't get moksha simply by that, knowing that the name and form is unreal. By that you can't gain moksha. Says verse 48. <coughs> the, the end, the question is answered here. Idrag bodhe pumar tattvam Idrag bodhe pumar tattvam Matamadvaita vadinam Matamadvaita vadinam Mridrupasya parityagad, Mridrupasya parityagad, Vivartatvam ghatestidam, Vivartatvam ghatestidam. Idrukbodhe pumarsatvam matam advaita vadinam. Advaita vadinam, for the followers of advaita, for the followers of the principle of non-duality. Their opinion is that this much knowledge, 
of the reality of the substratum and the unreality of the superimposition. This much knowledge is Pumasattvam, is a means for the ultimate Purushartha. Brahma Satyam Jagan Mitya. That Brahma, the Adhisthanam substratum is real. And Jagat, the creation, the names and forms are unreal. That's all that is required to be known. Advaitavade Atmanandadriktasya Sarvasya Mithyatanasya Sati Advitiya Ananda Vivekti Lakshana Purushada Siddhadi Devi Praya. According to the Advaita, that anything that is other than Ananda is Mithya. Everything other than Ananda or Asti Bhadi Priyam or Satchidananda or Atma is Mithya, unreal. Itinische, when this conviction arises, this conviction of my own arises, that everything that is other than Ananda or fullness or completeness or limitlessness is Mithya or unreal. Advitya Ananda Abhivakti Lakshana. Then what happens? Advitya Ananda Abhivakti. That occurs a manifestation of ananda or fullness or happiness, the advitya, non-dual. The ananda that is non-dual becomes manifest merely by knowing the unreality of everything other than ananda. That's very interesting. That means, what is it that veils the ananda? See, ananda is the nature of the, is a self. And it is self-effulgent. It's not that you have to create ananda because self is always there. It is ever there and it ever shines also. Then what needs to be done to know the self as ananda? Even though self is ananda or full, I do not know it as such. I know it as, as limited or incomplete. And what is it that obstructs that knowledge? What obstructs the knowledge that the self is complete? The notion that self is incomplete. And so the truth is obstructed really by what we call the notions, superimposition, that's all. What is lying in front of me is a rope. But then, what obstructs the rope from my sight? The notion that this is snake. It is not anything else that hides the rope from my sight. The notion or my conclusion that this is the snake, this is a snake, it is that conclusion that really veils the rope from my perception. <coughs> this is the Vedantic diagnosis of the whole situation. And so also, what prevents the manifestation of my true nature? Just my notion that I am ego or I am limited, I am small. And why does that notion arise? On account of the notion that this body is a self, or the upadhi or the personality is a self. It is that notion that just veils the true nature of myself. And therefore, when, and then that notion goes, the ananda which is self-effulgent just becomes evident. It doesn't get created. It just becomes evident. It becomes manifest. <coughs> so according to Advaita Vedanta, according to Vedanta, Vedanta or Advaita Vedanta, because there are other Vedanta also, meaning the Upanishads may, the other teachers may have different views about this, but according to Advaita Vedanta, meaning according to this perception of life, that there is only one truth, non-dual, there is nothing but truth. It is that conviction which makes the truth evident, which is because it is a very self. And as long as I think that there is a self and there is something other than the self, as long as the duality is taken to be real, so long the true nature of my own self is veiled 
or I am deprived of the benefit of what I am on account of imposing the ideas of smallness upon myself, which imposition occurs on account of taking this body or the personality as real. So what is unreal is known as unreal. What is real is known as real. That's all according to Vedanta is enough for the manifestation of Ananda, which is not only my nature, which is nature of everything. Not only I alone and Ananda, everything is Ananda. Because that's alone, is, when we say that Ananda is Brahma and it is non-dual, that means that's all there is. It's not that I am Ananda and then the world is miserable. That also is not so. Everything is Ananda alone because I is not confined to this body or to any individuality. That is all there is. So when this conviction arises, it is not that Ananda has to, become, to be created. Ananda is recognized or discovered. So it is something to be recognized, is to be something understood rather than something to be created. As Swami always likes to say, you don't have to believe in God. God is not to be believed in, God is to be understood. Because whatever there is, is God. But that is to be understood. In what way is it so? That God is abhinna nivittupanakaranam. He is the material and efficient cause. He is a creator as well as a creation. And therefore, whatever there is, is God alone, but that has to be understood. So God is to be understood, rather than just believed. Similarly also, Ananda is to be understood, rather than to be believed. If I have a certain imagination about what Ananda is, then I always try to construct things according to my imagination. So each one of us has an idea of what happiness is, or what fullness is. And we always have a picture about fullness. But if everything is there, if I am living in this nice cottage, in the woods, on the bank of a river, on the slope of a hill, maybe, and thus I imagine some ideal atmosphere, everybody may have their own imagination. The outdoor man imagines it in one way, the indoor man may imagine it in a different way, the athletic person may imagine it in one way, the poet may have imagination, everybody has their own imagination of what that perfection is. But we always have a picture about perfection. We associate with the stars and forests and the, and, the, uh, and the rivers and mountains and people and, and environment and whatever it is. Or temples or holy places or whatever. So we always associate happiness with a given atmosphere, with a given picture. That which is without any attributes, we try to always create, construct a picture about it and impose attributes on them. And thus, we are always in search for that ideal thing. We are always trying to create around ourselves some ideal. Or we are trying to create around the world around ourselves according to the ideal that we have in our mind. So don't try to create anything because every creation is a projection. Every creation is a projection. Therefore, if you try to create an ideal situation around yourself, you are just projecting. Because what there is, is ananda. You try to modify what there is, meaning that Already there is a notion in your mind that what there is is not ananda. And therefore, you want to deny what there is and you want to create something else. Already a denial. So therefore, the very desire for change is a desire, is a denial of what is what is. Desire for change, desire to change the world or desire to change myself, desire to bring about any change is nothing but a denial of what there is. Unless I deny what there is, I cannot desire to make things different from what they are. Isn't that so? Moment I desire something which is not there, which means I am denying what is there. 
behind the desire there is a con- conclusion on my part that if a thing is modified in a certain way it's like this if I place it this way I think that's beautiful that means I, I don't think that this is beautiful so my failure to appreciate the beauty in this way alone will make me to place it in this way or some other way and that's all we try to do all along in our life which is okay, I mean, it may have some aesthetic value, we are not denying the aesthetic values of life, etc. All we are saying is, the notion that what, this is, what there is, is not perfect, and that by doing something with it, that things will become perfect. The perfect is that which can never be created, in all along we are trying to create it. What a struggle! We are trying to accomplish the impossible, whereas what is already accomplished is denied, and we are trying to accomplish the impossible. So Vedanta is, is very simple, very simple. Why do we complicate it? Very simple. What there is, is fine. What there is, is fine. Is, is simple and beautiful. You see, when we discuss all these prakriyas, all this, it looks like very complicated. And you can make it so complicated that, you know, there are so com- such complicated texts that your head will reel, you know. So, that, so what? In fact, things are very, truth has to be simple. It can't be complicated. Since our life has become so complicated, therefore the explanation of truth becomes very complicated, you know. But in fact, it is very simple. How, how, more, you know, how simpler can it be than saying that what is is fine? What is it as it is, however it is, is fine. Is Brahman. And it is a matter of seeing this fact, not creating it, matter of seeing it. And how do we see it? By dropping all the notions that we have of what is meant by fine. Once we give up the notions, so notions of reality given to what is unreal, and therefore a denial of what is real, that's all that is sought for. As far as Advaitavadins are concerned, this much knowledge alone is means for Purusharsa or Moksha. And therefore, this analysis is what we are doing because it provides us what we need. All right. Now again, connecting the discussion back to what was there in the beginning, that there are three kinds, the material cause of three kinds, Parinami, Arambha, and Vivarta. Parinami where the material cause undergoes a change like milk undergoes a change to become the curd this is called parinama or vikara or transformation or when something that is not there so far that is created this is the view of the Vaisheshikas and the Nyayikas that a non-existent effect is created from a cause thus when, when they will say that a part that was non-existent has been created from clay this is what they call Arambhavada. And so is Vivarta, Vivarta Upadana Karanam, wherein what we call the effect is a superimposition upon the cause, or what we call the effect is the cause appearing in a different way. So effect is just an appearance, and that there is no real transformation in the cause. This is the Vivarta Vada. And now the author takes up that discussion here to clarify what is the what kind of a cl- 
uh, what kind of a cause is clay with reference to part? Clay, is it the parinami meaning, is it the, it doesn't undergo transformation? Is it arambha meaning, is a, it, it's something that, that gives rise to an, an, a new thing, namely part? Or is it vivarta? And so, that is what, uh, says Nanu, ghatasya mrud vivartatve siddhe tadjnanat ghatasatyatva buddhi nivartate. All right. You convinced us that by knowing the part is unreal and the clay is real. <coughs> Meaning by knowing the unreal is unreal and real is real. That's all that is needed in order to attain the, the goal of life. And therefore we discuss the illustration of the clay and the part. And we were shown that the part is unreal and the clay is real. Okay. But when can it be? Only when the clay is vivarta upadana karanam. Meaning... Only when the part is superimposition upon the clay. And if you can prove that the clay is vivarta upadana karana meaning, it is a material cause that just appears as an effect without undergoing any change, then we would say that, yes, knowing the part as unreal and knowing the clay as real is fine. But you have not even proven to us that the clay is vivarta or that clay is the vivarta upadana karana. That clay is a material cause that appears as part without undergoing any intrinsic change, this you have not even proven, and therefore how can you say that by knowing the mithyatma of the part, that that's all that, mithyatma of the effect, that's all that is needed to know. Nasetat idanim siddham, that it is not yet so far established that clay is vivarta upadana karanam. So this question is replied in the second line of the verse, Mṛdhrūpasya aparityāgād vivartattvam ghatestitam Look, when a pot is made from clay, mṛdhrūpasya aparityāgād Then mṛdh on the clay does not give up its nature. So clay does not undergo any real transformation. The clay remains as clay even when it appears as part. So mṛdhrūpasya aparityāgād Svasvarūpa aparityāgena Without giving up its own nature. Appearance as effect is called vivarta. <coughs> Vivartattvam ghatestitam. Therefore we say that clay is the vivarta upadana karanam with reference to the part. Clay is the vivarta upadana karanam with reference to the part. <coughs> but that is to be established and therefore the next one says here Ghate mṛdhrūpa parityāga bhāvebi mṛd parināmata ghatasya kimnasyāt You say that when a pot is created from the clay, that the clay does not give up its clayness. The clay remains what it is even in the pot also, which is okay. But still, why can't you say that a pot is a, tran- is a modification of clay? See, vivartha would mean pot is an appearance of clay. Why can't you say, the, the opponent asks, why can't you say that the clay undergoes a real transformation and becomes part? So, in that case, it would be called parinami upadana karanam, then clay would become that which undergoes a change. So, why can't you say that the clay has undergone a change to become the part? We say that the clay has not undergone any change, it just appears as a part. This fellow asks us, 
Why can't you say that the clay has undergone a change to become a part? Why not? Because a lump of clay has to be transformed in some way, then alone you call it part. So why can't you say that clay has undergone a change to become the part? In which case clay would be Parinami Padana Karanam. And this question this question ends in verse forty-nine. Pariname Purva Rupam Parinami Puru Rupam Tejet. Says, look, what is called Parinama or transformation is when the substance gives up its earlier state and acquires a new state. Kshira Rupavata. The example of Parinama or transformation is the milk. The famous example that is given is how the curd is formed from milk. But milk gives up its true its nature altogether and gets transformed as curd. There's no more milk. Then you can say that this is Parinami Upadana Karanam. This is the example of a material cause that undergoes transformation. Yatrak Shiradu Parinama Abhivagamede Tatrak Shiradi Bhavasya Pura Rupasya Tyagahopalabhede Ityardaha. That in case of, in such cases as milk, where it is generally accepted that milk undergoes a transformation, we find that when the milk become, becomes curd, that milk is no more available. Milk is gone, it has become curd. And in that case, we can call it Parinama. <coughs> so, alright. But, why can't you say that something similar also happens with reference to a part and, and the clay and part? Nanu vivarte pura rupa aparityagaha kodrushtaha. Alright. In case of vivarta, which are the examples? If the example of parinama is this kshira and, and the milk and the curd, what is the example of vivarta wherein the substance does not undergo any transformation and appears as effect? Which are those examples? Mrutsuvarana yohodrushyate. Our example is standard. The clay part or the gold ornament, these are standard examples of vivarta. Therefore the second line says, Mrutsuvarana nivartete. Ghata Kundala Yor Nahi. Ghata Take the case of a part or an ornament. Nishpanna Api. Even when you make a part from the clay or you make an ornament from the gold, Mrutsvarane Nanivartete. Tat Karana Bhuta Mrutsvarana Rupe Nanivartete. We find that when you make a part from the clay, the clay continues to persist in the part. When you make an ornament from the gold, the gold continues to persist in the ornament also. When you make curd from the milk, milk does not persist in the curd. But when you make an ornament, the gold persists. When you make a part, the clay persists. And therefore we say that the clay or the gold in those examples have not given up their true their nature. And they completely appear in the effect also. 
this is quite well known, never the clay in the pot or the gold in the ornament are examples for vivarta, example of vivarta upadana karanam. Again, the question is no, nanu, ghatasya murud vivartatvam anupapannam. Says you say that the clay is the vivarta karanam for pot, anupapannam, that's not tenable, that doesn't sound right. Ghatanasya punaha murudbhav adarshanar. Says look, when a pot is broken, you don't see clay there. If you say that the clay has not changed at all to become the pot, then when you make the, when you break the pot, what you find are the pieces. You don't find clay there. So how do you say that the clay persists? Or how do you say a pot is a superimposition upon the clay? Because when you break the pot, you, what you find are the pieces and not the clay. It is Shankade. So this is the, um, doubt and that is answered in the, uh, next verse. Ghate bhagne namrud bhavaha, ghate bhagne namrud bhavaha, kapala nama vekshanat, kapala nama vekshanat, mayavam churne stimrudrupam, mayavam churne stimrudrupam, swarna rupam twatisputam, swarna rupam twatisputam. Question. Ghate bhagne namrudbhavaha. As we said, ghate bhagne, when a pot is broken, namrudbhavaha, we do not find clay there. Kapalanam avekshana. Why do you say the clay is not there? Because he has some idea about what the clay is, therefore he says clay is not there. In fact, it's not that the pot has to be broken for the clay to be there, even though the pot is still there is clay alone. But he has an idea that clay means something. I don't know, whatever idea he has. Therefore he says that when you break the pot, you don't see clay there. Why is it so? Kapalanam avekshana, because what we see there are the various, that's of kapala. The pieces, you know, from which this pot is made is called kapala. So we find that when the pot is broken, there are only pieces, we don't see clay there. And the second line gives the answer to this question, mayavam, don't think so. That is not right. Continue that process of destruction further. When you destroy the pot and you, when you find the pieces there, continue the process of destruction further. Suppose you keep on hitting that, those pieces, you know, and keep on crushing them and crushing them and breaking them and breaking them. Ultimately what will happen? You, what you will find is powder and that is clay. So, kapalana abhinashaya, when you break those pieces also, murudbhava palabdhisyad, then you can perceive that clay and therefore, don't say that the clay is not there when the pot is broken. Mayavam churanayasti mridrupam, because when the, this, this kapalas, the pieces are broken, then what you find is powder and that is nothing but clay. And if you have some difficulty with reference to clay and the pot, We'll give you a simpler example. Swarna rupam tvatisputam. Take the example of gold and the ornament. That's simpler. What happens here is, 
Although the example of the clay in the pot is given, in fact that after making the pot from the clay, they bake that pot. And therefore, it just doesn't appear to be raw clay. And at first, sometimes the problem can be there in our mind as to whether it is clay or some other substance. So when you break, you feel that it is not clay, it is, it is only pieces. But take the case of gold and ornament, there will be no such problem. Because you don't have to bake the gold. Yes, more, you know, you melt the gold and then you pour it in the mold and you have the ornament. Therefore, As far as the golden ornaments are concerned, this kind of doubt also will not arise in you because in the ornament also gold is very clearly seen. So gold in the ornament is the illustration where without any doubt you can see that in the ornament also all there is is gold and gold is not even in the pot also it is but still suppose it is not very clear to you with reference to pot with reference to ornament there is no question that it is gold alone <coughs> so three examples are there one is the kshira and dadhi the milk and curd that's the example of Parinama. Another two examples are clay and pot and golden ornament. These are the two examples of Vivarta. So, you see now the questions are asked just to make everything very clear in case some little doubts are left. Nanu Pariname Drishtam Dattvena Abhitanam Kshir Mrutsvaranadinam Madhye So, you have given us these various examples of of milk and clay and the and the gold. If you say that the clay and the gold are the examples of vivarta, then why don't you say that even that milk and curd also is vivarta? Why not? Now the other way around. First you said, why don't you say that the clay and the pot is the example of parinama? But now when we show that no no the pot and the or, on the gold ornament, they in that the substance persists, though they are vivarta. So he says, all right, if the clay and the pot that is an example of vivarta, or the golden ornament is an example of vivarta, why don't you say that the milk and curd also is an example of vivarta? So, this, this Ashanka, the question is answered in the verse 51. Kshiradau parinamostu, Kshiradau parinamostu, Punastadbhava varjanad, Punastadbhava varjanad, Etavata murdadinam, Etavata murdadinam, Drishtan tattvam nahiyade, the answer is Kshiradau Parinamhastu Punaha Tadbhava Varjana. Says, look, as far as the, milk, the example of milk and curd is concerned, we say that it is a clear example of Parinama or change or transformation because that milk completely gives up its milkness and then alone becomes a curd and therefore it is an example where there is a change or transformation from once the substance transforms
from one state to another state. So it is an example of Parinama. <coughs> Tarhi, then all right. Then we say that the clay also undergoes change to become a pot. Or the gold also undergoes a change because formerly clay was as lump and now it is in a different form. Or the gold also was in a lump and now it is in the form of the ornament. So why can't you say that the clay also has undergone a change or that gold has also undergone a change to become, to come, you know, in, that is a change of state from the lump to this form. So why can't you say that is also parinama or modification? Why not the clay transforming the pot also be called parinama modification? So, eta avatam rudadhyanam tushtandatvam na hiyate. Tarhik shiravadeva avasthandram apadhyamanayoho tayoho vivadustandra namhavet. We say that the clay also has got changed into pot and therefore that also can be called parinama and not vivardam. So we say no, etavata kshiradehe parinamitvena mridadinam suranadinam drishtandatvam vivardhustandabhava nahiyate nanashyate. He says no, that is not called transformation because his avasthantarapat is there. Meaning that the clay which was in the form of a lump does appear now in another form. But as far as the substance clay is concerned, the same substance also persists in the pot. So the gold was like a lump and it is formed into an ornament, all right. But as far as the substance that was there in a lump, same substance also is found in the ornament and therefore there is no change in essence. Even though there may be a change in form, there is no change in essence. Whereas, in case of milk and curd, there is even a change in essence. Milk is sweet, curd is sour. Milk is fluid, curd is, you know, almost solid. And that being the case, there is a change in substance. Meaning the substance milk has given up its milkness and has acquired another, another state, namely the curdness. Whereas in case of the clay in the pot, the clay has not given up its clayness to become the pot, or the gold has not given up its goldness to become the ornament. And therefore, even though there is a change in form, there is no transformation as far as the nature is concerned, the essence is concerned, or the substance is concerned, there is no inherent change in the gold or the clay. The idea is, Kshirasya pura rupa parityaga purasaram avasthandara prapti sadbhavat parinamitvameva is explained that since milk has given up its milkness, Therefore, we call it Parinama. Murutsavarana yostu avasthandarot patisadbhavyabhi. Even though the gold and the, and the own, I mean, the clay and the gold, even though they were gone, undergone a change with reference to the shape is concerned. Puru parityaga abhavat vivartabhi. Then, since they have not given up the clayness or not given up the goldness, therefore, it is an example of vivarta and not an example of Parinama. Ultimately, Vedantins will say everything is vivarta. Even milk also and curd, perhaps as milk it has undergone a change and become curd. 
But as molecules, also there may be some change. But look at the atoms, you know, of which the milk is made, you'll find the same atoms incurred in there were, at that level there is no transformation. We would say that ultimately transformation may happen at a superficial level. But as far as the real substance is concerned, there is no transformation. And what's the real substance as far as milk is concerned? Asti bhadi priyam. And what is curd? Asti bhadi priyam. And therefore there is no transformation. So ultimate Vedantin says ultimate truth. That what is the real substance? You say the crystal is broken. What is broken? This is Asti Bhadi Priyam. There also is Asti Bhadi Priyam, which cannot break, which cannot change, which cannot be transformed. And therefore, even where, for the sake of discussion, we have accepted this milk getting transformed into curd, for the sake of discussion, just in order to clarify the concept of vivarta or superimposition. But ultimately we'll say that there is no real change anywhere. Whatever change is there is all appearance. Because the real milk itself is an appearance of Brahman, then curd is another appearance. What's the big deal? And therefore, as far as Asti Bhadi Priyam is concerned, there is no change. That will be the ultimate position of the Vedanta. But we are accepting, for the sake of discussion, the examples which are agreed upon by everybody. So, generally speaking, in the day-to-day transactions, it is accepted by everybody that milk undergoes a transformation to become curd. And therefore it is accepted as an example of Parinama, but ultimately Vedantins do not accept Parinama, they do not accept Aramba, they only accept Vivarta. <coughs> okay, I think that will be fine for tonight. Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutau Vande Bhagavantau Punapunaha Ishvaro Gururatmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shantishan Tishantihi Harihi Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Harihi Om